Well, welcome back in off of a weekend that has seen Teofimo Lopez get back in the ring and score an impressive knockout, not unexpected in the ESPN top-ranked main event. It has seen, not surprisingly, a mysterious, moved-around fight between former world champions Tevin Farmer and Mickey Bay called off just before the main event was supposed to happen on Friday. So we don't really have a recap of the fight, but we have a recap of the mayhem, and we're ready to talk all about it. It is the Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast. It's part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. I am TJ Reeves. He's our insider, Dan Rayfield. Up front, Rayfield in a decent mood, but he's not too thrilled because he's been traveling. He's been with family. He's a little tired. He did get some food. At least you were not in Vegas, brother, as I bring you in. Welcome in. Did you see the Sunday mayhem at the Vegas airport? I did. Where there are people that may not be back until September after what happened. Uh, at the, so they had a, they had a, they thought they had a shooter, some kind of noise. They evacuated concourses, had to rescreen people through security. And I kid you not, there are people that are going to be delayed until Monday or Tuesday trying to get back out of Vegas. Thankfully, you weren't in Vegas. I'm glad well, you're back with me. I have to say, having made. I mean, well in excess by like 130 trips to Vegas in my time, something like that, over well over 100. Right. I've had flights canceled and I've been pulled up and had stuff go on uh, and been delayed and spent many a long Sunday in the I Las see. Vegas McCarran Airport. But uh, have you had one where you got evacuated and had to stand I, with thousands of people outside no. of security? Because Thankfully, that on. is one thing I have not had happen to me. I haven't had that happen to me at anywhere of all the traveling I've done, so. You know, thank God for small favors I get. But, yeah, uh, we're good on that. I'm glad yeah. you're back. I'm glad we got this out of the way. All right, so speaking of Vegas, let's begin right there. I don't know if the flights were affected after the fights for the ESPN top-ranked show, but we did see Teofimo Lopez get his knockout. Kudos to you again. I bow to you again because you had the over on the BetUS show for his knockout of Pedro Campa. I was taking the under on the BetUS boxing show, free plug Fridays at 1 Eastern and we time. And we get the push on the Farmer Bay fight. Well, the, the Farmer Bay fight didn't happen. Right. So more on that in a moment. But you got Teofimo, and it did take a little longer, but he got to him. Your thoughts on the recap on Lopez's win? I thought that he did exactly what the doctor ordered. I think that everybody that is associated with him and his team have to be pleased with what he did, how he performed. Remember, uh, he may not have looked absolutely spectacular. It took him a few rounds to get going, and that's okay. I mean, I've read some comments on Twitter like they expect these people to be robots and just go out there and start buzzing through guys. You know, they're human beings. He's been out of the ring for a while. He had multiple surgeries. He had the situation that put him in the hospital after the fight. He had, uh, you know, personal situations with his, uh, with his, with his family and his wife. I mean, he's got a lot of stuff going on. And uh, I thought all things considered moving, moving up to a no weight class. So maybe some tentativeness there and uh, not knowing what's coming back. And by the way, you have to give, the fact that there's another person across the ring from you who has his own life and his own situations going, and he's hungry for uh, a top performance where, as we discussed on the preview for Pedro Campa, this was his Super Bowl in many ways. Uh, it was by far and away the biggest fight of his career in which he has had, uh, you know, well over like 36 fights or something like that. So, you know, he had something to do with that. He was aggressive. He came to fight. He showed a good chin. I mean, and in the end, Tiafimo won every round. Maybe you could give Campa one round if you're being generous. And he also knocked him down and he also stopped him with a beautiful combination. His, his punches were flowing really well at the end of the fight. He, if you look at the copy box statistics, he was uh, blowing him out in every category, you know, a lot. Of, and, and he was landing a lot of punches. He looked good with his jab. He looked good with his right hand. I thought, I mean, I, I can't say it's an A plus 
because there were a few little things and it took them a little while. Okay, fair enough. But all things considered, everything that the guy's been through, everything that we know about where he's at, the new weight division, all that, coming off the loss, which had to be at least a little bit confidence sapping, uh, even if he doesn't display that to the public. Thought the kid looked pretty good. He's still exciting. He's still charismatic. He's now got a win under his belt in the junior welterweight division. There's a huge amount of talent in that in that weight class. Top rank is involved with a lot of it. And I think that this kid is going places. Uh, you know, he may not be as good at 40 as he was at 35. I saw some people questioning uh, the punching power where, you know, it may not be uh, with the same effect at the against the bigger men than it was in, a, in the lightweight division where he could literally put guys out with one shot. But uh, Tifima Lopez, when his head is screwed on straight and he's in good frame of mind and physically fit, He's a very, very, very good fighter. One of the one of the best in that weight class. I think it'll be proven in the near future. So that leads to the follow up, and you did some digging on this as well because Lopez said in the ring afterwards, "Hey, I'm going to be on the card. It's going to be a pay per view." You said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, not so fast in December." So enlighten us on when he's back next, and speculate on who's a logical opponent for Lopez. Well, if you look at his career over the last few years, I mean, pretty much maybe since like his second year as a pro. Uh, or close to it, most years he has fought on the Saturday night of the Heisman Trophy presentation in New York City. Uh, it was a sort of a ESPN synergy. They liked the idea of having the television show that presents the Heisman Trophy uh, in, in the uh, downtown New York Athletic Club and then taking their cameras uh, to the Madison Square Garden Theater where it's been and Tiafimo has been on the card. Uh, Tifimo Lopez was on the card. I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was when Lomachenko fought uh, Rigando in the in their fight a few years ago. So they've had other headliners, but he has headlined there also. But that's become like the Tifimo date, sort of like, you know, for a lot of the Puerto Rican fighters, uh, it's been the weekend of the Puerto Rican Day Parade weekend. For Mexican fighters, the top stars, they've taken dates on uh, the uh, Cinco de Mayo holiday and on the uh, September Independence Day weekend. But top rank uh, in the Garden and ESPN, they love Tifimo. And they, they think that's a great date. And the reason is because it's a big television night when they're watching the Heisman Trophy always does a big uh, television rating. So even, they like interject, even to the point where he would put Joe Burrow's jersey right. on or Kyler yeah. Murray's jersey on football yep. jersey in the boxing ring to your point of the synergy. He bought into it. It's a good plan by them. Yeah. And it appears he may be back involved with that. again. So that's most likely what's going to happen. He will probably fight December the 10th. And uh, most likely uh, it will, instead of being in the theater, uh, although it's still, I think, possible. They're gonna if he wants to go in the main arena, they gotta either have a real strong card overall, or they gotta have a real superstar opponent. Like if he's fighting Ryan Garcia, I mean, I mm. guess that would be a pay-per-view, being honest. Mm. But if he, that wouldn't be, I don't I I can't imagine that they would make that as a live ESPN event. But the point I'm making is who if he's gonna go in the main arena where he's never fought before, he need and he, he needs to have a, a top level opponent. But the point of it is he'll fight at the garden, be at the theater or the main arena on the 10th. He said pay-per-view. I called up my people at top rank afterwards, and I'm like, he's going to go on pay-per-view? And they're like, no, 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 no. He's not going on pay-per-view. He will go on pay-per-view at some point. But for that particular date, the ESPN window for boxing is the linear time after the Heisman presentation. And remember, ESPN's uh, a rights holder for top rank and also for UFC. They're not going to put their pay-per-views on against each other. And from what I am told, December 10th is a pay-per-view date for UFC. There so is. I love him. You're right. There okay, is. Okay, so if Tia is going to fight on the Heisman Trophy card, it's going to be on ESPN. But the important thing is he's going to have a second fight this year. Hopefully they'll line him up with a good opponent. He said, who's he going to fight? Now, 
Oscar De La Hoya, who was the Golden Boy CEO who promotes Ryan Garcia, he was there sitting ringside. He was interviewed on the broadcast. He would like to make the match between Tiafimo and Ryan Garcia if he can't make the Tank Davis fight for Ryan. Uh, Tiafimo and Ryan Garcia is a great fight also. I love that fight for a lot of different reasons. Bob Arum from Top Rank is certainly interested in that fight. I talked to Bob personally about that. He likes the idea. Um, he's very interested. I think it's a possibility. I don't think it's possible for December 10th for the reasons we just discussed, but I do think it's possible uh, after that. Uh, and I think that, that they'd have to, they'd have to work out, you know, the zone will be involved perhaps as a pay-per-view. Certainly if it's on the ESPN platform, it's a pay-per-view most likely. Um, so I don't think that's next. So you say who's next then? That's a damn good question because it's not going to be Josh Taylor. Who's got the defense against uh, probably Catterell coming up and Josh can't come to the United States at this moment anyway, for his uh, various involvements with MTK dating back to last year. And before that, um, so that's probably out. You know, Jose Ramirez is on ice for the rest of the year, most likely. Uh, he's getting married. Remember, he canceled out right. from the title fight. You got Zapata against Prograce, who are guys that, that Tiafimo mentioned, but they're going to have their vacant title fight probably in that in that fall time period anyway. So whenever they fight, they're not going to be ready for a December fight without question. Um, the one guy that's very doable that he didn't mention is Arnold Barboza. He's an undefeated contender that's with top rank, who's coming off a win a couple of weeks ago. Looked pretty good. Um, there's been a lot of back and forth between them, certainly between uh, Rick Merigian, who was Barboza's manager, and Tiafimo. I mean, Rick, who I've known for a long time, Rick is one of those managers. I saw the tweet. I saw you retweeted. Merigian said that uh, Barboza beats him easily in a group of fighters that would beat Tiafimo easily. I mean, I that's don't, a promoter I don't talking smack, though. But yeah. yeah, I don't underestimate. You know, Rick's Rick, Rick's the manager for Merigian. He's the manager for Zapata, and he's the manager for Jose Ramirez. Now, all those guys, you know, whether you think they win or they don't win. The point of it is, those are not blowout fights on paper in my mind. But to say that that his guys beat Tifimo easily, <laughs> right? I mean, if you tell me that they win, I mean, I can see the reasons why you could pick all three of those guys perhaps to beat Tifimo. But to say easily, I think that's just, uh, you know, Rick is Rick. Uh, you know, he has that edge to him, and uh, he stands up for his guys, which I admire. But besides that, you know, to say anybody's beating Tifimo easily, uh, I would question that. No matter what, I mean, this is a guy that remember. He did defeat uh, Vasily Lomachenko. And even in the loss to Cambosis, where you saw the litany of issues he had physically, it was still a split decision where he scored a 10th round knockdown um, in a fight where he was extremely physically compromised. And it was still a very, very close fight. So let's all, you know, not, not have Monday morning quarterbacking or revisionist history to say somehow Tifimo is nothing. Tifimo is a hell of a fighter. All right. And he proved it the other night. Uh, again, as we rock along on the Fight Freaks Unite recap, let's stick with that top rank card. Give me 60 seconds on the expected win for Xander Zayas. Zayas did get a KO, rising prospect in the co-feature. Tell me more on what you saw about uh, what you saw from him and what you think about his future real quick, Dan. His future is, is bright. If I was buying stock and a young fighter, I would definitely want him in my portfolio. 14-0 with 10 knockouts, only 19 years old. And, you know, when he started his career, he, he – he was a good boxer and he certainly, you could tell he had the skills, certainly has the personality to be a star. Very, very personable, good guy. Uh, no, nice, nice group of people around him. Uh, but he just never looked strong, but he was still a kid. He turned pro. He was like 17 years old. So he, he didn't have the strength yet. He's growing into being a man now. I mean, he's still growing at 19, but you could tell when he started off, he was a welterweight. Now they've slowly over the last couple of fights, he's decided, no, it's going to, I can't, you know, 147 is a little bit too much. Let's go to, to the junior middleweight division. So now he's fighting in the junior middleweight division. I have to say, watching him against Spadas on uh, on that undercard of Tiafimo, he looked 
in terms, I'm not talking about his, his, how he performed in the fight, but let's just talk about the way he looked physically. He now has a man's body compared to what he was when he was 17, 18. He's really growing into himself as a, as an adult. And you could tell the way he looked, he's strong. He's going to, he's the power is getting better. His obviously skills are getting better. He's dedicated by all accounts. This is not a guy that cuts corners. I would be willing to bet you anything. The fight was on Saturday. I guarantee you that he'll probably be in the gym in some fashion on Monday or Tuesday. I mean, this is not a guy that's going to just, you know, take off for a month and not show up at the gym. Um, and again, Espadas, not a great opponent, but a, but a tough, durable guy, 22 and five, a, you know, a typical uh, hard nosed, uh, you know, I wouldn't say a journeyman, but you know, just a regular type opponent. Sure. Um, and uh, he looked outstanding. They dropped him, uh, you know, a, a couple of times, twice and stopped him in the fifth round. And just, I thought looked absolutely spectacular. I mean, Tiafimo obviously was a star of the show, but uh, Xander Zayas is a uh, top rank, got themselves a real gem in this kid. He was a good amateur. And to me, uh, TJ, the sky is the limit. There will come a day where he headlined Madison Square Garden fights and bring in big Puerto Rican crowds and, and uh, headlines on the Puerto Rican Day Parade weekend and, you know, fights in the World Championship fights, in my opinion. All right. He looks good. Uh, we segue, and we should say that we come your way with the preview on Friday. We also do the Bet U.S. Uh, boxing show where we preview from a gambling perspective on Friday. You and I were talking up this Tevin Farmer-Mickey Bay fight. But in our defense, you even mentioned this too, this whole thing was suspect about how it had been moved around from Africa to Dubai. And now we were joking about why is it in Paradise Valley or Prescott Valley, Prescott, Prescott Valley, Valley, Arizona. Why is it there? Okay, fast forward to Friday night. They have the fight card going on at the venue. And then suddenly the two main event veterans who are former world champions jointly announced we aren't fighting the main event. And they didn't even go to the arena they okay. announced it separately it up. from what, what the heck pick it up i just happened to be uh as you know i i was away for the last few days mm -hmm. visiting family in upstate new york and i was uh we had gotten back uh, my wife and i and my son were staying in our hotel near my mom's house and my sister and you know i they went to 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 the other room to to watch tv or whatever and i sat down at my uh, at the little table there and i and i went and all of a sudden i got a prompt you know i have my phone it's set up when people I follow on Instagram, if there's a, a live, a live Instagram or Instagram live. So I got one that said Tevin farmer and, 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 uh, Tevin farmer who I follow, I guess it must've been the one. Cause I don't think Mickey was on there or I don't follow him anyway. Anyway, I'm like, why is there a, a an Instagram live? Maybe. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe they, and I've seen this happen. Like one of the guys on the team, they show some, you know, some footage from the locker room or, right. you know, them warming up and that sort of thing. So that's what I thought it was because it was around probably like 1130 uh, Eastern time thereabouts uh, or close to it. <laughs> and I put it on and I don't know who the woman was. I don't know if it was Tevin's wife or or somebody that's involved with his team, uh, but a young lady who was standing there with Tevin and they had the split screen and Mickey was wherever Mickey was. And and, and she was doing most of the talking, not the two fighters talking about how they're not at the hotel you know, we're sorry to disappoint the fans, all these people that flew in. And I'm skeptical how many people actually would travel for that kind of fight. But that's a different story. In any event, they said, you know, we're not fighting. And I missed this originally. I went back and I looked at it later. She was speaking about how the the their two companies, uh, the two fighters made this fight. But they obviously had a local promoter that was putting up guarantees and money. And they said that the funds weren't there. And I don't blame Mickey. Guarantees Bay or, in air quotes, names of, of money. 
denominations, but not actual money. Yeah, the money did not be, it was not in the account in place where it was supposed to be at the time when it was supposed to be there for them to get in the ring. And given what I've been writing about in the recent past, whether it's the Don King situation uh, with Daniel Dubois and the lawsuit that that he filed against Don King for uh, supposedly not paying him for his fight with Trevor Bryan, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, or what happened with the Triller event uh, where the Kovalev team and the Pulevs, they, they claim they were not paid, all that. So if I'm Tevin Farmer and I'm Mickey Bay, I don't blame them in one iota for not getting in the ring and fighting and then coming out of the ring and not getting their money. But I do have to question uh, not having it set up well ahead of time, knowing that this was, uh, in other words, if it's too good, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. If they're guaranteeing you six figures. And let me tell you, and I speak in this sense as somebody that gets a million press releases and bulletins and alerts and, and phone calls and texts from promotion people and PR people and all that constantly every day of the week for the last 20 plus years. Right. I mean, for this fight, big fight, whatever. I mean, TJ, I think I got literally when it was rescheduled from when it had been postponed from Dubai and they moved it to Arizona to this date that was supposed to be Friday. I got one press release from a publicist that they hired. I'm sure just to blast out that one release. It wasn't like a person that was working the event and was going to coordinate because I never even, and this was, I was kind of surprised by this. Typically, especially on a pay-per-view basis on a streaming pay-per-view, they're trying to drum up publicity. I never got hit up about, do you want to interview these guys? Now I could have, you know, talked to Tevin if I just wanted to call him up. You usually would get something like where they would send out the weights from the weigh-in. Like you couldn't even file. I went to look actually, because I would have put them in my It notebook. was like they were in witness protection. Yes. And, and this is if you're trying to put no an money. event. So there was no, I couldn't find the weights on box rack. Like I didn't see them. You know, I looked like just to see, cause I didn't get any and I didn't see anything. I didn't, I didn't see it on any of the other websites that I checked out. The point is this was a fly by night bullshit promotion from day one. And as my, I don't know if, if it's the vernacular of your 14 year old twins, my son is nine. I hear, Dad, that's a little sus. And, <laughs> for suspect, uh, right. Yes, for suspect. So he would absolutely say, if I explained what I just said to you about this particular fight, say, sus. Dad, that's a little sus. And you know what? It's not a little sus. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of sus. It's a lot of sus. I agree so, with you. And there's no... Uh, okay, so here is my only follow-up question from any of that. Do these guys still want to fight soon somewhere because they've been training and trying to do this? And is there any hope? Or do they just have to... Uh, like I've been listening to some 80s tunes, so they have to be like Journey and go their separate ways here. And I'm not going to sing I mean, to you, Rayfield, on a Sunday night. Are they just going to go their separate ways? And there's not going to be a I, I, I honestly don't know, and I honestly don't care. Right. <laughs> and then, by the way, I don't mean that as an affront to the two to the two boxers. You know, Tevin's a good, good dude. Mickey's a good dude and all. But to me, it's not a fight that there was any demand right. for to begin with. And... You know, if they if they can if they can get it together and put the fight on, good for them. If they can't, you know, life goes on. That's how I look at it. All right. So no. So fight I hope you know. Good. I I wish them nothing but the best. But you know, be a little more careful with the people you do business with. Amen. Uh, moving along. Final few minutes on the recap podcast. We thank all of you for being with us again. We'll have much more on Joshua and Usyk in the preview podcast later in the week. Looking forward to that. There was a Sunday official announcement. This is not a nuclear secret that the fight was going to be on in the U S okay. We knew it was going to be on, but what were they offering? When does it start? Dan fill us in because Matchroom and DAZN made the announcement Sunday afternoon that the Saturday Night fight in Saudi Arabia, Saturday afternoon in the U.S., made official. Tell them more here about the quick announcement. Go ahead. 
Well, I mean, it was, as I've been telling people who've been asking me on a regular basis on social media for the last, you know, however many weeks since this fight was put together or months, even, you know, will it be on in, the, in America? And if so, where, and how do I watch it? Um, it's been like an open secret for the past. I mean, it's gotta be well over a month that the zone was going to do the event, not only in the United States, but have world rights in most of the rest of the world, a few carve outs. We've discussed the sky broadcast situation and why it's mm -hmm. on sky in the UK and Ireland, uh, why it's going to be on some other platform in Ukraine, which is Usyk's hometown. They also, in their announcement, they have carved out for most of the Middle East and Northern Africa. But largely in the rest of the world, over 190 territories and countries, the United States, um, you know, many of the locations in Europe, Canada, uh, places along those lines. Poland was another place they put in there. Germany, Spain, uh, Japan. Anyway, most of the countries in the rest of the world, it will be on zone, and it won't be a pay-per-view on zone. It will be just, if you subscribe to zone for the 100 plus a year, or you buy it on a monthly basis for 20 bucks or whatever, you're going to get it as part of your regular package the same way you'd get Golden Boys, you know, club fights on Thursday night once a month, or you'd get, you know, Joseph Diaz against William Zapata coming up in a few uh, a few weeks or whatever. You know, the point I'm making or is you got just Ryan Garcia back in July. Yes, Correct. exactly. So it's just part of your normal subscription. Uh, you know, and if you live in the UK, obviously it's a Sky box office on their pay-per-view platform so that's great news for boxing fans because they can you know to me you know you can say what you want about the zone it's a very um what's the word uh, they, it, it, there's it, there's people that love it they hate it it's very divisive polarizing in many ways. Polarizing. polarizing that's yes. the perfect word for it but if you're a boxing fan and I, i'm not kissing anybody's ass i'm just being real i don't know if you're if you're a boxing fan how do you not have the zone right it's a hundred dollars a year. They're going to raise the price even to 150, but that's a different story. Even at 150, for what you get, even of the non-pay-per-views, you have to have it if you're a boxing fan. So I hear all mm -hmm. these people say, "Well, they're putting Canelo on pay-per-view. I'm not going to buy a subscription." Well, duh. Let me ask you a question. For the last 30 years, if you were buying, subscribing to HBO or to Showtime, you were buying a subscription, and you might watch other entertainment programs the same way you might watch other things that are on the zone, even though it's more limited to sports and not general entertainment like those other platforms, but you would buy uh, HBO or sub uh, subscription or Showtime. You you get their fights that they offered as part of their package every month. And then for a, a number of fights, other than that, you'd have to pay essentially an upcharge to watch them pay-per-view. It's right. absolutely zero difference if you're right. buying the zone to you now, if you want to see the Canelo fight also, you're, you're paying an upcharge as a pay-per-view. And at the very least, and I'm, again, I'm not carrying your water. I'm just keeping it real. If you buy the zone and you have a subscription, when you go to buy that Canelo pay-per-view or whatever the pay-per-view is, it's a little bit less expensive than if you just don't have the zone at all. And you just buy it as an a la carte uh, pay-per-view on the zone, you save a few dollars or they'll give you a month for free or whatever. So to me, it's still worth it. And the fact that they can, if you're thinking about subscribing to the zone and you're getting Joshua Usyk, which by every metric available is a massive heavyweight championship fight not to mention all the other stuff that's it, coming hey, up and this is the truth it is the most important heavyweight title fight for the remainder of the year because we don't know if if our boy fury is going to fight anymore so the, so for the back half of 2022 this is the fight this is the fight whatever yeah. happens we're in agreement so you're getting that well fight. i'll say this with one caveat because it's not out of the realm of possibility that the winner of the fight uh, will fight again at the end of the year. Now, if you listen to Eddie Hearn, take him for what it, you know uh, for what it's worth. He has stated that Joshua would fight again before the end of the year if he wins. Uh, certainly, there's going to be a, at least a conversation, I suppose, between the sides. Can we make Tyson Fury against the winner? But of course, 
Tyson's announcing his retirement again. And we'll, you know, <laughs> just to not to belabor the point, uh, he did for what it's worth. He did vacate the ring magazine title because my friends at the ring asked him because they read the reports said, you know, Hey champ, what are you going to do? He thanked them for winning it. Talked about how much it meant to him. It's a beautiful belt, all that. And he did in fact vacate the title and the ring uh, made, in my opinion, the proper decision, as long as he's claiming he's vacating it, that the fight between Usyk and Joshua, who are obviously the next two guys in line, that will be for the vacant ring title. Interesting. Now, all right. The big thing there, though, is the question is, okay, fine, you vacate the ring title, which is cool, but it's still, it's not the WBC title. It's, right. it's still important and it's still a big deal, but the WBC is the one that everybody around the world knows, the green belt. Okay. So I actually, while I was sitting at the airport, <laughs> waiting to get on my flight today to uh, fly home from my little trip to uh, visit some family, I was going back and forth with Mauricio Suleiman, who was the president of the WBC. And I asked him, I say, hey, Mauricio, you know, you saw, or I saw that Tyson decided to give up the ring title. I know, you know, he's gone back and forth about, is he going to retire or not going to retire? So can you, can you give me an update on what the plans are as it relates to the WBC title? What's the status? And he told me that at some point, uh, they, they're going to make a statement about it. But the bottom line is they're going to give Tyson Fury until August 26th, a Friday, to give the organization a written confirmation of what his plans are. If he gives them a written confirmation that he's retired, uh, presumably the, you know he'll vacate or uh, they'll vacate the title. Or he may say, I've changed my mind and I plan to defend my title. But by August 26th, according to Mauricio's correspondence with me personally, we will have clarity on where the status of the WBC heavyweight title goes because he can announce his retirement all he wants. But as long as the WBC title is around his waist or, you know, in his possession or he's on their list as the champion, he's not really retired. And, and one more, just real quick. He already defended against Dillian white earlier this year as the mandatory. So he's got time to figure out, is it undisputed Plenty next or time. what does he want to do? But what you're saying is they want to know, and we know the answer. He's not retired, but they want to know for sure. Are you retired? And then we'll have somebody else fight for the belt. So we'll, well, we'll the, also here's the other thing about it. Okay. Month. If you take a look at the WBC rankings and he does in fact vacate that title. So what is being discussed right now in terms of uh, other fighters that are in the weight class, mm -hmm. you know, where I'm getting with where I'm going with this Deontay Wilder. He's number two in the rankings, obviously. So if he, if he were to vacate, or be, you know, they're not going to strip him. They're not going to make him look bad. They're going to give him every opportunity to, uh, to hang on to that title, uh, you know, unless he tells them we're done. But here's the point, though. The, uh, the WC heavyweight ratings have Deontay Wilder ranked number two. And Deontay Wilder is going to be back in the ring probably in October. And the, the opponent they're discussing him against is Robert Hellenius. Now, if you go down the WBC rankings, but I just happen to have the brand new ones right here in front of me. You have Deontay Wilder number two. I mean, I'm sorry, number one. So he could theoretically fight for the vacant title at that position. The number two ranked heavyweight in their ratings and the number three ranked heavyweight happen to be Joe Joyce and Joe Parker. Now they're already set to fight each other. Right. Now, technically that fight is a WBO for the number one position. Deontay Wilder most likely would not get out of the way to allow them to fight for the vacant title. So they're going to be on, according to the way the WBC does their ratings, uh, Parker and Joyce will be deemed unavailable because they're fighting for another organization. Frank Sanchez uh, the PBC fighter, he's there. I mean, he's a good contender, undefeated. Uh, doesn't have anything scheduled at the moment, I don't think. Andy Ruiz is next. He's taking on uh, Luis Ortiz in a fight that's scheduled, so he would not be available either. You have uh, Arzlebek Makhmudov from Canada, who's actually fighting in a couple of weeks uh, in a fight that will be on ESPN+. 
Number seven is Dillian White. I would find it hard to believe that they would allow him to fight for the title again right off the bat after getting knocked out the way he did. And then lo and behold, you get to number nine in the WC rankings, Robert Hellenius. In my opinion, if Fury does actually vacate and actually does officially retire, at least in terms of vacating the belt, when they finalize the October fight between Wilder and Hellenius, which will be probably a Fox pay-per-view, that'll help that promotion an awful lot when it becomes for the vacant WBC heavyweight title. I like all your theories, but I, we're, Fury's going to keep the belt. He's going to go for the undisputed with whoever. Can we have some fun? I'm with you on having fun. Uh, the, the discussion is great. The hypothetical is great. All that is good. And just one more time, because we need to roll on and get out of here. Uh, the Usyk Joshua timeline was announced. Give the update on that, because again, it's Saturday afternoon and early afternoon in the Western time zones in the U.S. when the main event will happen, because right. Saudi Arabia is seven hours ahead of Eastern time. Go ahead, Dan. Okay, so when DAZN put out their press release uh, <laughs> announcing that they had acquired the rights and they would be showing it in all these territories around the world, they put out, the and I quote from the press release, the main event begins at approximately 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 p.m. Eastern time, 1800 CET, and and the you know will be available in the English commentary, Polish commentary, etc. Anyway, I'm like that can't really be accurate in my mind. I put that in my tweet because that's what the press release said. But I followed up uh, by contacting uh, the DAZN PR folks, uh, who to their credit were answering their emails on a Sunday, which was the day that they put this announcement out, mm -hmm. and. Oh, we're sorry. We made a mistake. It's the main card that starts at those times. The main event will be later. So for those listening, I will say yet again, the main card, meaning your stream of the main several fights on the event, nine o'clock in the morning, Pacific time, 12 o'clock PM, Eastern time, 1800 CET time. And the main event will then occur, you know, later than that, probably around 11 PM British time which if you subtract five hours, you're talking around five o'clock, uh, you know, Eastern time. Could be a little earlier, depending on if, if the under I think like six o'clock we'll Eastern time. Yeah. But don't, you can't put that in stone because again, they make the point. It depends on how long the undercard is going. The pageantry and the, the hoopla and all that. It's, you know, they might play 14 anthems. I mean, the Saudis might want to do things on their own uh, pace. So, you know, you can count on it. It's going to be like all these other fights we've seen from uh, overseas in that, you know, six o'clock, six thirty, sort of maybe five forty-five time frame. Uh just watch the damn show and you won't worry about missing the right. main event. And we'll preview it more later on oh, in yeah. the week. Two more items from the WBA, and then we're gone on the Fight Freaks Unite recap. WBA moved forward. You were talking about Juan Francisco Estrada, Chocolatito, a trilogy fight. They moved forward, they stripped Estrada of his title. The WBA also said to Dimitri Bivol, their light heavyweight champion, you do have to fight Zerto Ramirez next, or you're going to have to vacate if you don't fight him. Your, your take on both of those moves real quick before we're done. Well, certainly anybody that has followed me knows that I have been brutal on the WBA for a long time, but I have no, I mean, and I've been in regular correspondence about these situations uh, uh, with Gilberto Jesus Mendoza, the president of the WBA. Um, who, despite my intense criticism of that organization for a long time, you know, I'll give Goberto credit. You know, he takes it like a champ. I mean, we we don't agree on a lot of things, and I've said some terrible things and and all that, and I've meant every word of it. <laughs> but <laughs> the truth, but I have to is say, the truth, yes. But the thing about it is, on a personal basis, just as like a person that you'd like hang out with, have a drink with, you know, make small talk with, have make joke around with, talk boxing with. I mean, 
Gilberto, I like Gilberto. I mean, he's a knowledgeable boxing guy. He's been, we're about the same age. He's, he's been around uh, boxing his whole life because his father, who passed several years ago, was the president before him. So it's similar to with the WBC. You know, Mauricio, again, similar to my age, grew up around boxing with his father, Jose Suleiman, who was around and as the president since, uh, you know, the, the late 60s, I guess, of the WBC. The point is, you know, I don't agree with a lot of the things that the WBA did. But in this particular case, as they whittled down their various titles, uh, they really didn't have a choice but to strip one for Estrada because they've been trying to get this fight with Joshua Franco, who's the regular champion on the books for a while. Golden Boy won a purse bid. Uh, there was talk about having that fight in July. It, it ultimately did not happen. And according to the, the WBA, uh, they, they inquired with Roman, with not Roman Gonzalez, with Juan Francisco Estrada about, uh, please tell us your plans. And he did not respond to any of their missives. And at some point, it's like, okay, you get the cold shoulder and you've had plenty yeah. of time to make the fight. He hasn't defended in well over a year uh, since the, the, the rematch he had with Roman Gonzalez, their great fight. And at that point, you know, we all know the drill anyway, because as I've reported, he wasn't going to fight Franco. His plan is, and I don't have a quarrel with it. I mean, it would have been nice if he just said, yes, I'm going to vacate. Thank you for the opportunity and just moved on with his life, whatever. But he's going to probably take a fight, uh, you know, come September timeframe. And then they're looking to make the third fight with uh, Chocolatito Gonzalez uh, at the end of the year. So uh, they met to unify the WBC and the WBA titles in their second fight. And now if they fight a third time, it won't be for either of those titles because, you know, they've been uh, stripped or given up. Uh, it would be, I guess, theoretically for the Ring Magazine title because Estrada's got that, uh, you know, as the linear champion, um, even though I thought Roman won the rematch. And, of course, he has, if whatever you think about it, I mean, we don't have to get into a thing all about it, but he does have the WBC's franchise title, which I'm sure they will make a big thing about. And uh, But the bottom line is he is stripped. Franco is now going to be the only title holder in the WBA's 115-pound division, so that's another title that has been reduced in terms of getting down to one title holder by my count, because uh, Riyad Neri, who is their cruiserweight champion also uh, rather than fight the mandatory against the other champion, he vacated the title and, and he did it the right way. I read the letter because one of the people on his team sent me a copy of it. He wrote a very nice letter. Thank you for the opportunity, but I've decided to uh, relinquish my title because I am moving up to the next division. Uh, I hope we can, uh, you know, be a WBA champion again. They in the did future. the same and, thing to Leo Santa Cruz, and he said, "Okay, I will fight your correct. guy." They put the same feet to the fire to yep. him, so they're doing this. They're cleaning it so up. So the point like is, in about. the last few days, you've gone from having nine divisions with two title holders. We're now down to seven, and making progress. So uh, the WBA will be Franco and uh, Estrada. Will you know? We'll see another great fight with Chocolatito, but it's helped the WBA deal with that. And in terms of the other one you mentioned with Bivol and. Ramirez, look, Bivol is the WBA champion. He's coming off that fantastic victory against Canelo Alvarez in May. Uh, Zerto Ramirez is an undefeated fighter. He's former super middleweight champion. He has won two consecutive WBA elimination fights. He's looked very good in those fights, scored knockouts against, you know, maybe not great opposition, but certainly not, you know, nobody opposition, pretty solid guys. And uh, Yonieski Gonzalez, a very tough competitor and a, and a good guy with a good chin and good power. And uh, Dominic Bosell, you know, maybe not at the top level, but, uh, you know, the European champion type level. I mean, again, he didn't deserve to be an eliminator in my mind, but, you know, was he like the 14th best light heavyweight out there? He's probably in that sort of like, you know, 10 to 15 type of uh, ranking if you were making honest to goodness unbiased ratings. Um, but the point is he was the mandatory and, and yep. Bivol was ordered to do the fight. And then he went to them trying to seek an exception 
to fight Joshua Buatzi, who happens to also be co-promoted by Natrum, which is also right. Bevo's co-promoter. And my perspective is this, TJ. If he went to the WBA and he said, listen, I have an opportunity to have a unification fight with Arthur Beterbiev, I'd like an exception. You know what? Of course. Ray feels down with that because yes. that, that so to me TJ. trumps the mandatory. Yes, yes. But Joshua Watsi, who I like as a fighter, is a good guy. I've met him. I've interviewed him. Nice guy. Got a great team. You know, trained by Virgil Hunter, one of the best guys out there. Here's the point, though. You don't bypass Zerto Ramirez to give a shot to Buatzi. He's number two in the ratings. Wait his turn. It's not his turn yet. There's no reason to give an exception to the guy that's won two eliminators when Buatzi hasn't even won one But real yet. quick, it's not as hard a fight as Zerto Ramirez, and that's the point, too, and we've talked about that before. This is a oh, much, I mean, harder fight, I mean, much harder fight for B-Ball, yeah. right? I would certainly give Buatzi a chance just because he's a great athlete and a good fighter, and he's got some power, and, you know, he's – He's, uh, you know, he's not an old shot fighter. He's in his prime and, and all that. But yeah, if you had to say, if you're the Dimitri Bivol, uh, uh brain trust and you're like, okay, if we have our choice, either Zerto or Buatzi, do we want a, a, you know, a tall lefty with good power who's 44 and 0 or whatever he is, 45 and 0, or do you want Buatzi, who's our same size, who's <laughs> not nearly as experienced, who hasn't been a world champion, who, you know, hasn't really looked great maybe in his last couple of fights, even though he's been winning. You know, give me Buatzi any day of the week before I have to tangle with the southpaw, you know, big, tall guy with a long jab and good power and a good chin. Um, but I'm thrilled that they made that decision because Bivol, who I'm a fan of also, and he obviously did a great job against Canelo, you know, he, he didn't get the rematch. So now it's time to get on with things. And the mandatory has been there. He's the number one guy. And fight the guy. By the way, do you believe disowned, it could happen before the end of the year? Absolutely. I yeah. I mean, unless he unless. uh <clears throat> unless the people side says no at some point he'll get stripped they will they'll do the same thing they did what, to what percentage <clears throat> chance would you put at him saying i'm not going to take this risk because again if he loses Bevel, if he loses the luster is off big time uh, as opposed to just vacate the belt because you know you still have the golden ticket rematch even without the belt with canelo alvarez at light heavy i'm not so sure that canelo alvarez wants to fight him if he doesn't have a world title okay so I believe, and maybe I'll be wrong, I do believe because there'll be pressure from zone, yep, who has involvement with both Zerto as a member of the Golden Boy stable, as well as with Bivol because of his association with Matchroom, and they just put on uh, the Canelo fight that didn't do as well on pay-per-view as they hoped for, but they, I'm sure, would still like to have a significant Bivol fight. Him fighting Zerto Ramirez is the biggest fight you can make in the light heavyweight division, other than if Bevo were to have a full unification against Better BF. So if that was on the table, go for that. But Better BF is fighting his mandatory against Anthony Yard probably in, you know, November, October, whatever. And if you're DAZN and you've got Bevo, who's a commodity, even if the pay-per-view didn't do as well as you hoped, he still scored a big, big, massive win over Canelo. You want to have involvement in his next fight. If you're a DAZN executive, would you rather have him against Bawatsi, which is big ish in the UK, but it's not even like on a, on a, that big in the UK. I don't think compared to some of the other fights, like a Connor Ben against, against uh Eubank, et cetera. But in America for their purposes here, if, if you see that it's Bevo versus Zerto, that may entice somebody to buy a subscription and more, and as important, it will entice people to keep their subscription. So to me, Bevo Zerto is one hell of a fight. The best fight you can make at light heavyweight that doesn't involve Canelo and isn't the full unification with better BF. All right.
On that note, WBA straightening some things up. We've given you some recaps. We've got Usyk Joshua later this week. My man Raphael is like sleep deprived. He's like jet lagged. He's got the family back. So I think we're good for the recap. Anything else? Any parting salvos or are we good for the weekend and putting everything to bed? We good? Well, I'm not jet lagged because I was still in the same Eastern time zone, but all the other stuff, yes. Airline aggravations were at a minimum, <laughs> but the family is good. We saw other family in New York, so we're good there. We're about to begin the second week of school here in Florida and a lot of other places here. Your little guy doesn't have that yet, but mine have it. My Next, school teacher wife has one it, week so. from Monday is the uh, first day of school the, down here. Uh, reality sets in in the Rayfield house like it did last week in the Reeves household. All right, we so got one more week at camp, and then it's back to school. There we go. Uh, all right, so all of that is good. We've gotten the full recap. Reminder, follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We'll have a big fight weekend preview of Usyk Joshua, the rematch, the rage on the Red Sea is later in the week. We look forward to talking more about that with my man, Dan Rayfield. Have a good week. Thank you here on the recap, sir. You bet, my man. We'll be in touch. I am merely TJ Reeves. Again, you've been listening to the Fight Freaks Unite recap. Bye.